Welcome to a Drop Tent Media Production. Welcome to the Lone Stakers Podcast. Hi, I'm Albert Davis, and I'm a solo staker on the Ethereum blockchain. And I'm Tommy Harold, and I'm a solo staker. Both Tommy and I are crypto enthusiasts, navigating the world of Ethereum solo staking. We're not experts, but we're on a journey to learn more. So join us as we explore, learn, and stake our claim in the Ethereum network. Really looking forward to sharing um, some of uh, my experiences and uh, that I've had along this uh, our crypto journey. And um, yeah, looking forward to this. Um, I'm Tommy Harold. Um, together, me and Albert, we're on a mission to demystify the world of uh, solo staking in Ethereum. So um, we're going to go anyone that you can yeah. get involved with this. We're going to explain our experiences. Um, and it doesn't matter what your tech- technical expertise is. Um, so I think the first thing that we wanted to do was just like introduce ourselves a little bit and um, tell the listeners who we are. So Albert, why don't you sort of explain how you got into crypto in the first place? Oh, oh, great! This is. I hope we have uh, at least at least ten minutes for this. Um, but by the way, before we jump into that, I wanted to define what a solo staker is. Um, and I guess if we're backing up, so um, staking is something that you do on a blockchain, where um, you put up some tokens and and then you get to be part of running the computers that run the blockchain. Um, and a solo staker is someone that's running their own computer hardware, uh, as opposed to other types of staking where people join together in groups or they join an exchange and they can stake one step removed from the solo staking, which is what uh, Tommy and I are doing and what this podcast is about. Now, how I how I got into this uh, and how I became a solo staker, um, I got interested in, in cryptocurrency and Bitcoin about three years ago, actually as a way to earn a little extra money. And, and I found it intriguing when I really started to dig into the technology of blockchain and, and also the idea that, wow, there could be a new monetary system, a new way of handling finance and money. Um, and that runs, that's not control, that's not, doesn't have a central controlling entity. Um, in in uh, cryptocurrency, we talk a lot about decentralization. That's a big mouthful, but basically a blockchain runs by itself. It's just code that runs. And I compare that to say the banking system, which you know we all know we go to the bank. There's tons of people running banks. If you could imagine a blockchain can do just about everything a bank does and doesn't need any people doing it. So it's almost like an automated banking system. So it's just very intriguing from that point of view. And so Albert, tell us how you first heard about it. Tell us, tell us what drew you into that, because that's kind of a good explanation of of where we are right now. But but how did you first hear about it? What brought you in? Well, I, I was I was literally, 
you know, I, I moved to the Caribbean um, country of, of Haiti and in my retirement, and I was looking for th- something interesting to do that could possibly generate some, some income, but it had to be online. So I was kind of searching in the, you know, for ideas of how to generate some income doing things online. And part of that search, I ran across cryptocurrency. And so then I, I so I, I bought some. I found, you know, I, I mean, it took probably a week just to even get to the step where I actually got a hold of some Bitcoin. And I did it through a kind of a l- less traditional way. It was like a, a, a literal peer-to-peer exchange that I found. And then what I realized on that exchange is that people were paying a premium to to buy the Bitcoin versus what you could purchase on on a more traditional exchange. And so I, I discovered that I could create a markup and make make a, a slim margin of profit by just merely buying uh, and selling uh, Bitcoin to different people from different exchanges. Sorry, but tell me a little bit about yourself and how your background and how you got started um, in staking of Ethereum and, and in crypto in general. Sure thing. So like as, interesting similarity between us actually um in that i um i'm from the uk i grew up in the uk and um, i haven't lived in the uk for a number of years at this point and i was actually living in myanmar sometimes known as burma um in gosh it must have been about 2015 maybe 2014 maybe 2015 i don't remember exactly and i was um I was a regular subscriber to the London Review of Books, and in one um, in one journal, they had a deep dive, in depth uh, article about cryptocurrency, what it is, what its use cases are, and I just was so intrigued by it. It kind of, I wouldn't say it blew my mind, but I was like, I was very, very interested. And um, just from a theoretical perspective, right, that as you were talking about how it's got the potential to replace banks, how it's got the potential to break down boundaries, national boundaries, geographical boundaries, just all of these things. Um, And there are a couple of books that were recommended in this article. And so I bought both of these books, I read both of these books. Um, but there I was in Myanmar, and kind of like you were saying, it wasn't easy to buy cryptocurrency there. And in actual fact, I didn't buy any cryptocurrency there. But you know, once you start, once you start hearing these things and reading about these things, like you, like, like the connections happen, right? And so, a colleague of mine there, an American colleague of mine there. He was, he was, I think he was on Coinbase. I'm not sure exactly what exchange it was, but he was buying and selling Bitcoin back in 2015 when it was like two, three, four hundred dollars a Bitcoin. And he would like buy in, double his money, cash back out again, buy in, double his money, cash out again. And so I I was kind of like doing it vicariously through him. I I I hadn't bought my first Bitcoin at that point. Um but just like so interested from a theoretical standpoint about about its possibility, about its potential, um, and and all of its different use cases. Um, and it wasn't until about 
2018 um when i when i first when i bought my first bitcoin um and by that point i'd moved to rwanda um so i was living in rwanda i guess time had gone by so maybe it was a little easier for me to buy uh cryptocurrency from from kind of like the not the not the hot spots of of the crypto world um at that point um and 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 so yeah it was kind of like it was born from from a very much a theoretical standpoint um and and slowly grew from there and so i had my first bitcoin in 2018 i was using it um i mean the reason that i i got involved with it was was because I was interested in its use cases in uh, kind of like the Silk Road websites and the derivatives thereof. So, like I was, I, I was kind of like I was using it as a transactional currency from time to time, um, and 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 then again, you know, I, I got into Ethereum and I got into the solo staking, um, just just through uh, meeting somebody, like having a conversation, meeting a friend. Um, and and it was my good friend Jadeep that that actually um, kind of jumped me over the hurdle from from just like owning a small amount of transactional um, cryptocurrency into um, into the kind of like the the, the deeper um, world of and the and the more community kind of aspect of of solo staking and 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 being part of that Ethereum community. That is on directly on the blockchain and and solo staking. Oh wow, that, that's that's really that's really quite a, a journey. I'm I'm curious if I don't know if you remember that far back how um, you initially purchased your first Bitcoin if it was on an exchange or if it was like from a friend because I guess if it was difficult to find an exchange with a little bit of uh, you know, sophistication. A person could get a wallet and transact with a friend to get some Bitcoin. Do you remember how you did that at first? No, I I, I don't remember precisely. And I and I think like one of the interesting things about this podcast is right. I'm not an expert. I'm yeah. like I'm fundal. I'm fundamentally not an expert. I'm like, uh, uh, you know, I'm bumbling around in the world of cryptocurrency, not really understanding what I'm doing, but like fascinated by by everything that's in there. And so. I remember that I tried to buy from one of the major exchanges in the US and that whole I I had no I was a US citizen but I had never lived in the US and so I didn't have a address I didn't have an address that I could refer to I didn't have a driving license and so my inability to demonstrate that I was a US resident was prohibitive in terms of me using the US exchanges and so the when I first bought Bitcoin, it was um it was from a, a UK based exchange. And um and it was like it, I, I used my probably my dad's residential address in the UK as part of that, you know, that demonstration that you are who you say you are. Um yeah, and so that's that that was how I first bought Bitcoin. I I can't remember what the exchange was, I can't remember the name of it. I didn't stick around there for very long um so so yeah that that was how i first bought mine you know you know that that reminded me when you were telling that i had a lot of trouble even getting onto the the united states exchanges because same thing this whole address business uh 
So at the time that I started, my official address was was a New York State address, New York mm-hmm. City. And New York State had strict rules. And they if you put down New York State and then tried to join an exchange, you would get blocked. The exchange would say, no, you can't do that. I don't know if we go all the details, but I I actually almost changed my address. I mean, I was in a transition, but it hurried my change over my address. I started using uh, an address in Philadelphia of a family member. And then when I was, you know, because I was in the state of Pennsylvania, now the exchanges, they, they were like happy to have me. So it's really very interesting how this, you know, the, the, the legal stuff that we have to navigate and the workarounds that, that we have to do is it's, 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 it's kind of strange, you know, in a way, because it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, no, I, 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 I don't have to move to a different state to buy a car, but if I want to buy a Bitcoin, I, I, I can't buy it if I'm in the wrong state at that time, at that time. I think that's uh, changed, changed by now. Right, right, right. And I, I have a very specific memory, actually, now that you're talking about that, and it's kind of back to that know your customer thing, is I had to get on a video phone call with somebody in Austria, even though I was buying from the UK, it was somebody in Austria, and to show them my driver's license on the camera. And then they had to text me a code. But I didn't have a UK phone at the time. And so I had Feed it up with my mum. So I was going to give her phone number to this person. They were going to text my mum this code. And then my mum was going to WhatsApp the code to me as soon as it came in. So I could do it all whilst we were on this video phone call, which kind of like, it goes to show that like, I was subverting the rules. They had their rules in place and I was going around them to get what I wanted. But that that was the only way that I could do it, and and it's which is interesting, right? Because it's supposed to be this thing that breaks down barriers and it breaks down geographical borders. But the you know the the, the institutions that try to troll and regulate have have built those barriers back up again, so that so there isn't this kind of like borderless, um, free transaction. Um, universe that is that it's supposed to be yeah and it's it's a i mean it kind of makes sense to me that because part of it is you you need to you're kind of bridging from the traditional finance system into this new finance system and the i mean i I guess it's fair to say that that a new finance system is a bit of a threat to a traditional finance system um, you know, we talked about this about sending money across borders. It's very slow, and it's costly. And in, mm-hmm. like Tommy, between us right now, we could send each other Bitcoin or Ethereum, and we know that it would re- arrive in five minutes, maybe maybe less, maybe more, but in a matter of minutes. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. fee would be a very small fee, and mm-hmm. and and we could do it on a weekend. We could do it. Anytime we wanted to, regardless of your time zone and my time zone, if we were in the traditional banking system, you know, at three o'clock, four o'clock, five o'clock, can't do it. Weekend, can't do it. Holidays, can't do it. So this is, it's almost like a competitive threat to traditional uh, banking. And they may say, oh, well, it's, you know, it's high risk and we don't want to take on the risk. But there's also an aspect of this 
that if they're being completely honest, they, 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 they have to figure out how they're going to position themselves in with this with this new system now maybe they wish it would just go away and if they put up enough resistance you know and make it hard enough for people that people just say oh don't bother i'm not going to try but as you and i both demonstrate like we both were very motivated to to have an alternative because in a Uh way the finance money is a it's like a monopoly this occurred to me when i was thinking about this a couple days ago it's it's like a monopoly because there's only one until bitcoin and crypto came around there's only one financial system that 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 we we didn't have a choice and so when there's a monopoly the people running that monopoly can set the terms like oh after 4 p.m well you can't do you know we're our, our we're closing our store Sorry. Yeah, no, it's, it's funny that you talk about that actually, because I have, it's like a bit of a joke with my, with my, like my good friends in the US. Um, like if they owe me some money in the region of like anywhere from like $10 to $500, the best way for them to transfer money to me, in my opinion, is still by writing a check. It's the it's the fastest and the cheapest way to reliably get that money from their account to my account. Now that involves me like taking a picture of it and uploading it onto an app on my phone. But fundamentally, and it's it's exactly what you're saying right now. Fundamentally, the technology in the traditional banking system it's not developed beyond writing a check to pay to to like transfer money to somebody else's account and um, um, so this is what this is uh a, a, a solution and a competitor to to that issue but but anyway we digress i want to i want to hear from you because in your story up until this point you're trading bitcoin you own bitcoin you're you know you're in the bitcoin world um, and and now I don't know if you still have Bitcoin, but but now you're not, right? Now you're a solo staker in the Ethereum world. And so, kind of, how, how did you move from from where you were doing margin calls on Bitcoin from somebody in I don't know wherever they might somebody pretending to be somebody else wherever they might be? Um, yeah, how how did you end up in the in the Ethereum solo staking world? Oh, well, first of all, just a bit. I I do still have Bitcoin, and I I think it's a good um, a, a good coin for me to hold, and and the Ethereum. Um, well, how should we describe this? I I was kind of cruising along and getting deeper and deeper into this trading world, and I found other exchanges that they they, they were I don't know more fringy, I shall say. And in one of these very fringy exchanges, I, I was um, trading with a guy. Oh, and I, I found out that they would allow you to use many different apps. So I got away from Zelle, from banks, and started using things like Amazon. I even did Amazon gift cards, believe it or not. Uh, I mean, it's weird, but there's a market out there for that. And But I also found I could get paid on Apple Pay. And Apple Wait, hold on one second. Yeah. You were buying Amazon gift cards or you were selling Amazon gift cards? Uh, um, I was sending people Bitcoin 
and, and they would send, send you Amazon, gift, an Amazon gift card. They send you a code and you put that code into Amazon and you get a, a credit for maybe $30 or $50. Whatever, so whatever you, mon you monetized it by buying stuff on Amazon, buying and things I bought, that you and needed I in your life. On, yeah, it kind of, I became someone who had a nice credit on Amazon and then I, I bought a few <laughs> things or bought gifts for people, whatever, whatever it may have, may have been. Okay. I, you know, again, I suspected that there was some shady business going on on the on the my, with my counterparty, but I couldn't sure. figure out what it was. Um, and then I, as the the Apple Pay was super convenient because you know a payment shows up on your phone right away, and and uh, that's when I got scammed um, out of about I got scammed out of about I don't know four hundred bucks I guess. Um, I found a guy. He wanted he he traded with me through the the platform about three or four times, and then he suggested that we just you know just trade directly with each other. And I was confident enough, like I knew the mechanics of it. And he totally scammed me because he sent me uh, Apple payments that were fake Apple payments. Like they showed up on your phone; it looked exactly like a payment. And we did about three or four of these trades and then something that, you know, there's that little part in your brain. It's like, wait, something, this is something just doesn't seem quite right. This, you know, and I tapped on the payment and nothing happened like normal Apple pay. When you touch it, then it expands and you get another window. And I'm like touching this thing. And it's like, Oh, <laughs> it's just an Im He just literally sent me an image that looked exactly like, I don't, it was very uh -huh. tough. Very clever. It, was, it, it looked like what it was supposed to look it like. Didn't like what it was supposed to, and we were going fast. And I remember at the time, Bitcoin was was rising, and it was around twelve thousand and thirteen thousand at that time. I remember that, but that that kind of put a, a, a it cooled me and kind of froze me a little bit. It's like, oh damn, I really don't know what I'm doing, and there are these people out there, and I, I kind of like put it on a uh, press the pause button um, okay. on this. And then I, I'm wondering, I'm yeah. wondering at this point, if we can get that, that person on one of our future podcasts, <laughs> I might be able to find them because I don't delete anything. And, and <laughs> somewhere, somewhere in my uh, stream of messages, probably somewhere in my, Apple Pay, I guess. I don't know. And you, and you, and, you oh, and by the way, Apple you, Pay. You can say thank you to him for bringing you to the world of Ethereum solo staking. Without yeah. him, you wouldn't be where you are now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, have you had any like nervous times or points where you felt like something was going on with your uh, digital cryptocurrency? transactions or if you so far see and that's that's a warning because it you know uh, we all have to be careful so 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 the, the the one thing that i have had i mean we all have that heart-stopping moment right where you press send and it takes a period of time to mm -hmm. um to arrive at the at the arrival the whatever you want to call it the destination wallet and i remember the first time that i put my money down and then had to wait and wait and wait and that was that was obviously a nerve-wracking moment um but in terms of like actually being the um the like somebody scamming me uh the the only time it's happened is that i was buying something with um bitcoin 
and yeah. it was um you know it was not an above board vendor and I sent them the bitcoin and it never showed right it was supposed to arrive in the mail and it just never showed up and you know that they actually continued to communicate with me where i was like it's not here and they're like well we sent it and i was like well it's not here well we sent it and so like i presume that they were just scamming me and pretending to be a vendor um but you know maybe maybe it got lost in the mail i have no idea but so uh, but uh, but kind of counter to you i i've never been in that base of um frequent trading within small periods of time to try to make a profit when uh, when i first bought bitcoin i was you know it was transactional i was actually using it as a currency i was converting fiat currency into cryptocurrency so i could buy things with cryptocurrency and so there wasn't there wasn't the kind of like dog eat dog world of scammers um in that kind of like that day trading space and then since i've become a solo staker it's it's much more of an investment right i i have chosen what my investment is and 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 i sit back and 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 i wait to see where it goes and so I I haven't I haven't I, I don't feel like I've interacted with scammers in that same way that that you were just describing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, staking it's kind of a, a um, how should we say this? It's kind of like fishing or something. It's a very sedate kind of yeah. You're not mm-hmm. in and out. You do something basically one time, and then it's just sort of you're just sitting there. There's no yeah it's a it's really a one-time transaction and then it the, the funds are just sitting sitting there and, and that's what that's yeah. what appealed to me to be honest like for for me personally it just sounds so tiring to have to decide on a day-to-day basis like am i buying am i selling am i in this crypto am i going to go in that crypto which one's rising which one's falling it's all very interesting to me but i i just don't have the the mentality or the bandwidth to, to be making those decisions on a daily basis and so and so it was a massive appeal to me when i when i met jd and he and he was the first person that explains um what proof of stake was what ethereum 2.0 was going to be what it meant that they were developing mainnet i think is what they call it um and and so i had met him after the the covid lockdown that had been released in rwanda and there was a few guys that used to go out for a drink and I met JD and we got chatting and he knew crypto, I knew crypto. So we were talking about crypto and then it very quickly became aware that like he knew tons more about crypto than I did, but I could, I could be conversant in the space. And, and he explained to me what solo staking was. He, he explained to me what the, kind of like what the goal of it was, where it's a, where it's supposed to be headed, um, and this was before um, this was before December 2020, which was when you know the first validator nodes were 
we'll put on we'll put on the beacon chain or whatever or whatever it's called. And so he was explaining it to me as a theoretical um perspective, this idea that you kind of like you 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 the proof of stake, you know, you put your 32 Ethereum on there and that's that's kind of like your investment into into the the beacon chain and into the validating process. And so the 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 nature of the kind of like you put it on and then you sit back and you're a community member, you're part of the community, but then you just you sit back and 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 the node, you know, it does its thing, it validates and it accrues rewards and it increases in value. And so maybe a little bit naively, which we can get into a little bit later. Excuse me. Maybe a little bit naively. Um, I, I thought it was just going to be like like a bank deposit, right? You put your money in, you sit back, and you what, and you and you count your money, and you count your node increasing in value. Um, but that was that was definitely uh, a massive appeal to me for for getting into solo staking and um, and and for doing it as a solo staker as opposed to being on an exchange or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Well, what what appealed to me about Ethereum when I heard the distinction made was the um, the programmable aspect. So Ethereum mm. has an entire program, a complete programming language that kind of lives within the Ethereum blockchain, um, and Bitcoin by contrast has a very limited programmability and some people and that that's the distinction between the two and i think they both have a have a place because the the uh, a limited scripting in some ways is more it's safer and more secure because there's just very little that a person a malicious person could do um but on the other hand, and, that, and that's Bitcoin that you're talking about—the limited Bit- scriptability. Correct, and that's Bitcoin. But it's because also- I'm going to just—I'm going to just interject very quickly here because this is like the edge of my knowledge right here, right now. What you're talking about, and I know that you've got some programming background from when before your retirement. But like, this is the very edge of my um, of my knowledge. So, like, keep going and explain it to me. Sure. Well, the. So Ethereum had this notion of building in all this programmability within the within the the blockchain. And with that, the phrase is called a smart contract. And so, for example, you know, you could and our our, our validator nodes use that. For example, every week or every some period of time now that withdrawals have been enabled. There's there's a thing that uh, there's a program that runs that transfers some of the rewards from one wallet to another wallet. That's done with programming. So because it's an automatic process and no, there's no people doing it. So you know that's maybe the distinction. And and because I did have some background in coding in the financial. Uh, um, community of New York City, I was like, that really appealed to me. It's like, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Now you have this blockchain and now you, you it's programmable. It's like programmable money. 
man, there's probably a lot of things you can do with that. And and I want a lot and, of things I can do with it. Yeah, a lot of things you could do with programmable money. It would seem. I mean, you don't have to don't take a genius like well, you know. I mean, I don't know if I can come up with the great use case, but people have, and they will continue to come up with them. Um, and so, and then the other part that drew me to Ethereum is like, wait a minute, you're saying that that I could be part of this system. Like I could be kind of like a banker role. Like I put up some money and now I'm part of this worldwide system of finance and, and I can be a part of that. It's like, I, I, I definitely, I, I mean, I became like, I was somewhat obsessed with like, I, I, this, I dropped everything. I said, this is what I want to, I want to get this to happen. I want to be part of it. Yeah. And so that's when you first heard of like what Ethereum is and how it's constructed and what its potentials were. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it was over time, but 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 the the kind of the aha was like this when they. I didn't want to run a um, a proof of work computer that just didn't seem interesting or fun. But when uh -huh. it turned over to the proof of stake, and it's just like. You just put up your 32 ETH and you can be a part of it. That That's the thing that really got me so interested. And, and I guess maybe from my perspective, I've I've maybe never really truly appreciated the, the, the difference in accessibility from one to the other. Because like my introduction to cryptocurrency and Bitcoin was reading these books and you read these stories about people that have either built bedroom setups or, you know, like these huge actors that have got um, warehouses full of, of hardware tech that, that's doing all of that stuff. And so the accessibility to the lay individual of like, you put your 32 in and you can become a member of the community, I, I maybe hadn't truly appreciated how much that would have appealed to me subconsciously maybe or just like even meant that it was a possibility mm -hmm. yeah like with my lifestyle like setting up computers to to you know, that you would need to do the to run the cryptography for the proof of work and i know we haven't even explained what proof of work is but it's the method that's very, it takes a lot of computer processing power and uses a fair amount of electricity. So that just didn't appeal to me for my lifestyle. I was doing a lot of traveling. Like how would I even mm -hmm. keep these things running and watch after them and things like that. But if you say, oh, proof of stake, you just have to put up some collateral in the form mm -hmm. of 32 ETH. That was like, I that I can do. Now, I didn't realize that we have a we do have a little computer maintenance. It's not really computer maintenance, but we have um, uh, updating that we do somewhat infrequently. But we, it's not a total hands off proposition. Um, would you agree with that? <laughs> yes, I definitely would agree with that. And I think that's like when I refer to my naivety. Um, I think that's what I was referring to. Like I was. I walked into it very excited, but like expecting it to be like a bank deposit, right? 
you put your money in and then you stand back and and whatever happens to it happens to it um and for the longest time actually that's that's what it was um yes there is there's hands-on um updating and i know you and i have very very slightly different setups um but but we both use um amazon web services to kind of like host the node right and i hadn't heard of amazon web services before i had a node and now i'm <laughs> somewhat literate in kind of like the 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 ways and the and the whys of Amazon Web Services. I certainly hadn't ever done anything with command lines, and now I have. Um, and and it's funny that um, that we bring this up actually, because literally today, I checked my node on Beacon Chain, and for the past thirty six hours, it's been losing money. You know, it's just like those. It's just like those two cents per transaction, right? It's going in the wrong direction. It's oh, not no. going in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so... so your node must have stopped processing somehow or another. Or it got... I, 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 and, and you see, and so that's like, that's the limit of my knowledge, right? Yeah. That, yeah. Like, I, I don't know why it stopped working. You, I can did, see on Beacon Chain that it stopped working. Is it working now? Or is it still um, not working? I haven't checked. You know, I haven't checked. And so at five o'clock, I jumped on a phone call with like the guy who can fix it. And we spent 15 minutes, push this, push that, push this, push that. And he says, okay, now go ahead. Um, in about 10, 15 minutes, beacon chain, okay. and you'll see that your node is active. But right, that was 5.30 in the evening. I immediately switched over to my kids, to yes. making dinner, to kids' bedtime, da 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 da. Your life takes over, and yes. and and I haven't checked Beacon Chain. Like I, I could do it right now, I guess, but <laughs> I, I could wait another. Now you're doing a podcast. Could... <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, that that story is is um, reminds me. I once this is about a year ago. I got a message from Amazon, an, a very cryptic email from Amazon, and it said. Basically, that the computer that you're using is is busted, is 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 you know it crashed. I don't know. I mean, it was a very cryptic message, but the the long and the short of it was like the computer is not working. And it's like, wait, wait a second. So I and I was traveling overseas at the time, and I had to go through this whole thing also with the support people, and. Um, they got me through it, but it, it was not easy because I was literally traveling down the road and with a laptop in a foreign country trying to, you know, run commands off the command line. And then it went all the way down to I needed my um, secret phrase to to restart. I think I I think I had my password. I didn't think I had the right password. And so if you don't have the right password, then I had to go all the way to the mnemonic phrase, the secret mnemonic mm, phrase. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I didn't have it with me because that's a whole nother story of like how we keep our, these super important mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, phrases of 12 or 24 words that are really our key to, to those funds. 
and I, I, you know, I had to take the steps needed to retrieve those while traveling overseas. And because Ethereum, the incentive is like the stakers, we have to keep our computers running all the time. That's, that's the deal we make because yeah. we're running the Ethereum blockchain. And if our yep. we get rewarded for uptime and we get penalized for downtime. So and, and at that time when you were when you received that message and you were going through this fit, yeah, were, were you being were you being penalized throughout that period of time? Uh, you know, I have to go back and check. I'm pretty sure I was. Yeah, no, I was. Yeah. No, I wasn't. You know what? I was. I was not getting penalized, but I was not getting. It was like neutral. I was oh, okay. just not getting a reward, and that's the thing. I didn't know because there's a phrase in staking called slashing and the just the phrase itself sounds like you know nobody wants to get <laughs> slashed and they you know i didn't know how much i would lose if my no went on offline because again like you're saying right. this is the limit of my knowledge i just knew that i don't want to ever get slashed and then here i am the thing may not be running i so i was in a little bit of a panic more panic than i it turns out i really needed to be but nevertheless i was you know, I was, I got to get this back up running, got to get back to running. It turns out if your node is not running for a couple of days, it's not really a big deal, but I didn't know that at the time. And um, I think what I, I, I think it was neutral. Now, more recently, I did have my node. <laughs> they used the phrase, I was, I was receiving negative income. <laughs> so that what I was doing for the last yeah, day yeah, and a half. That. That's yeah. exactly what I was doing. And that's not the same as slashing, right? They're two that different is, things. That is. I think negative it, income. Is slashing. Yeah. Because it's taking money away from you. It's 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 penalizing you. And that's that's what it's it's set up to do. Yeah. But it's a great euphemism like negative income. You know? uh -huh, uh -huh. I've been through two periods of negative income with yeah. my node. And yeah. they've both been about a day, day and a half. But part of the deal is right you've got to monitor your node you have to be active you have to know what's going on with it and 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 so you've got to check in every so often um and and both times it's just been kind of one of my periodic check-ins where i've oh that's the wrong color <laughs> i like seeing green i don't like seeing red um and, and and so yeah no that that has um that that that's been um the the times um where kind of I, i've had to play a bigger role than i originally imagined um when when way back in february of 2021 when i set up my node as to what i thought i was walking into um it, it, and and so for 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 yourself with the kind of like some level of programming background were you more aware than i was going into it of what your level of maintenance and activity was going to be or or did you kind of like have that same ignorance of what it was going to look like that i had yeah i went in kind of blind i i had heard of uh, AWS, Amazon Web Services. I had mm. I was aware of that. I'd never used it. And you kind of get tossed into that environment because that's where we kind of up 
do our updating. And, you know, again, that's like a whole new skill. And I found it quite, you know, it's, it's a little difficult to follow these different menus and steps and clusters mm-hmm. and, and all these different mm-hmm. places you have to go. And then you finally get to where you are and you have to copy and paste a different code in, which is basically how you upgrade the software and then basically save everything by, re, you know, kind of reversing the process. But again, because you have 32, you know, I'm happy to print a document. And if I print to the wrong printer or if I print too many copies or if I print the <laughs> wrong page, who the heck cares? But when you have Everything we do as a solo staker, we have 32 ETH riding on it. And until you're really sure, it's like, what if I do something wrong? Will I lose my, you know, will I, you know, will I lose it? Will I, you know, it's like a lot on the line. So it makes, it just makes everything more um, exciting and sort of a little nerve wracking. I mean, it turns out it's, you're, you're not going to lose your 32 ETH if you tick the wrong box in your Amazon web services. But again, when you're new at it and you don't know, and no one is telling you, there's no, you know, I don't know if there's a book on staking, maybe we should write one, but um, you know, it's like, yeah, staking for dummies. Right. Um, but until, so we're, we're just like on like in, in, in new ground here and, and, and not knowing is, is kind of, that you have to err on the side of caution and and be huh. and, and worry, you know. And and so, how much does it worry you? Does it like what 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 sticks in your mind? And like at two o'clock in the morning, when you're thinking about your nose, like what is it that's, exactly that's kind of like going through your mind? Yeah, because I'm 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 in my sixties, so I'm thinking of like legacy and passing on things. And there's no one in my family that will possibly know what to do with my nose, mm. I got hit by a car or something like that and suddenly died. They, they, and I have tried, I have tried. I, I you know, they, I mean, they wouldn't even know to, to, yeah, there's many layers. Like how would they, so, so what, what would happen? What would happen when you play they, that out? They, what would happen? I, I have the foggiest idea. Like they would not know how to get to Amazon web services. They couldn't log into my computer because it's password protected. So they, they don't know the password to Amazon. I don't know how uh-huh. they would get into that. They don't know, you know, launch nodes. They they don't know these things. And, you know, so they, I don't think they have the tools with which to say carry the thing on. And and at some point, some payment wouldn't be made because, you know, credit cards are involved and things like that. And then, you know, maybe the the node would which would, would stop running and then it would get slashed into, I guess, slashed into oblivion. Yeah, so that's what keeps me up. It's like I need to educate a couple family members of how, uh-huh. how this functions, and it's not just a trivial thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but you're right. Keep, you, you seem pretty re- calm and relaxed with, with yours. Anything trouble you or worry you, or have you thought about that that aspect? I mean, I, I, it, there, there are certain things, right, and mm-hmm. it's. I'm not the most organized person in the world. And so I, you and I have spoken about like Mm -hmm. the detail, not, not the specific, specific details, but kind of the generalities of like, how we set up our own personal security in terms of like the seed phrases, the, the other pieces 
that go into the maintenance of, of the nodes. And I am just concerned and I, I for the rest of the time that I'm a solo staker, however long that may be, I will always have this low level concern of I might lose piece of information that I need to get the Ethereum. And mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm going to be one of those stories where the person was scrabbling <laughs> through the, the, the rubbish or like what, or like they dropped it off the side of a boat or like whatever it might be. That, that is my concern that something that I need to access to run the node is gonna i'm gonna somehow lose it or destroy it or or something i'm gonna lose access to it yeah you know you know it gave me a certain boost of peace of mind is when i i etched my mnemonic phrases my secret word phrases into metal um because then it was like it, it it's so hard to misplace that it can't get you know it won't get a flood won't ruin it. Yeah, you could have your secret phase beautifully saved and, and you have a flood in your house. It, you know, it could just dissolve all the writing. A fire could destroy it. So um, the metal seems like it, it would hold up. And then I have it in two locations because even, you know, something can happen in one location. I, ha I have it in a second location. Sure. I don't know. I mean, that's but that's no, a, no, I mean, another that, conversation, I guess. But that's, that seems part very of it. Secure, part, right? of it, part of it, huh? I'm starting to I'm starting to think whether I should tattoo my seed phrase somewhere on my body, <laughs> and that, that that way that way I'll never lose it. That's unique. I never thought of that. <laughs> I yeah. I, I, I that's that's a good one. I think that that whole seed phrase. I, I actually think banks could play a great role in like traditional banking. Uh huh. But you know they've like I went to my 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 baby. No, we, we talked about this previously. Go on, explain explain what your explain what your theory is. Well, first of all, I wanted to put my seed phrase in a safe deposit box in my bank, and I went in. They go, "Oh, we don't the safe deposit, but nobody uses it anymore. They're all gone. We don't we don't have safe deposit boxes." It's like what? It's like I thought. <laughs> when did that happen? Uh -huh. um, no, but the whole the seed phrase is very important. So, yeah. and banks are good at securing things and they had those vaults and they had, they should just bring back the safe deposit boxes. Uh -huh, you know? uh -huh. And then, you know, you could put your seed phrase in there and, and you wouldn't, that'd be pretty safe. You, you know, you wouldn't it'd be a little less worrisome and I'm sure there's banks, so, but yeah. Sure. Probably like if, the, if you believe the movies, you go to Switzerland and you'll you'll get a safe deposit box there. There you go. Right. And then when my node goes down, I have to contact my Swiss banker. Yeah. Go in, go in, open the key, turn it to the right. Okay, now get to the little paper. No, not that one, the other one. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I mean, we have talked about a whole lot of um about ourselves about how we're feeling about our crypto setup the ethereum that we've got the solo staking that we've got um 
I feel like we've got a whole lot more to talk about as well. There, there's so much we haven't touched on. Like I, I, I'm looking forward to hearing about like your your views on the future of solo staking of um uh, and and what you are looking forward what you're looking for in your own investment in the future in your in this solo staking world um and i think we've got some guests lined up as well don't we albert oh yeah well that's the exciting part so i did a little research do you know that there are 500,000 500k 500,000 validator nodes running okay Ethereum. okay so that is yeah. a lot of people running these nodes and what i would love is to have a chance to speak with with uh as many as we can uh-huh. individually to hear their stories and what they're going through and what they're learning and, and and what they think of the whole thing just like we've done today so that's what i'm looking forward to i really enjoy sure. talking with tommy it's a lot of fun and uh, i look forward to the next time yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm super looking forward to uh, our future podcasts and to to hearing more from you. Um, this is uh, this is a uh, an adventure of of wonder and interest that we're embarking on. Absolutely, I'm looking forward to the journey. So join us for the next episode of the Lone Stakers. Thank you for tuning in. We really appreciate you sharing our crypto journey. Please send us a message via thelonestakers at gmail.com and make sure to like, subscribe, follow, and mash that bell button so you never miss an episode. The Lone Stakers Podcast. Everywhere you find podcasts. This has been a Drop Tent Media Production.